Chapter Six of The Whispering Man by Henry Kitchell Webster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six. Doctor Armstrong testifies. The coroner dismissed Gwendolen Carr from the stand with the request that she remain at hand, subject to call, as it might prove necessary to question her further at some later stage in the proceedings. When the name of the next witness was called aloud, the perceptible stir it caused among the spectators testified to the rapidly rising interest. Dr. Walter Armstrong was the man who, according to the telephone girl's testimony, had had only an unlocked door between himself and his murdered employer i myself had never seen him before and since my talk with madeline of the previous night was curious to do so he made i must confess no very favourable impression upon me his manner was didactic and self-satisfied his gestures prim and angular he was young under thirty i should say but there was no suggestion of youthfulness and nothing that seemed to mark the presence of the saving sense of humour it occurred to me that if it were true that he had fallen a little in love with madeline marshall he would take himself very seriously she had not said to be sure that he was but she had pretty clearly suggested it the coroner began almost immediately to develop a highly suggestive line of inquiry the moment the formal questions were out of the way he said you're a specialist yourself aren't you dr armstrong yes sir as a matter of fact aren't you a toxicologist a student of poisons in other words of only a very limited group of poisons sir the doctor answered in his primly superior manner i have confined my studies to those vegetable alkaloids which act most directly upon the brain and the nervous centres he went on under further questioning from the coroner to outline the nature of his duties as dr marshall's assistant it appeared that they did not take all of his time and that he had a considerable independent practice he always kept the same office hours as dr marshall however and was subject to call from him at any time many of the doctor's patients he simply turned over after a single consultation to his assistant you say you were subject to call observed the coroner is it true that the doctor had a push-button on his desk which served to summon you into his office yes sir did he call you at any time during yesterday morning once or twice yes sir but not after eleven o'clock i think he had every reason to believe that you were in the adjoining room subject to call as long as he remained in his office yes sir how did it happen dr armstrong that you were not in your office at half-past twelve when miss jerome went in there to find you dr marshall had an appointment at twelve o'clock said the witness i knew it was important and supposed he had gone to keep it i did not hear him go out but concluded that he must have done so and went out on an errand myself do you know what time it was when you left your office not exactly no sir did this errand of yours take you very far away only to the instrument makers on the first floor of our own building i spent a good deal more time however than was necessary for the purpose of securing the article that i bought the proprietor of the shop is a friend of mine 
the ensuing testimony merely corroborated that of miss jerome the attendant in the reception-room she had met him at the elevator door as she said and they had gone together into the inner office he had seen immediately that dr marshall was dead and had dispatched the girl in quest of dr adams whose office was on the floor above is it true asked the coroner that you said to miss jerome i think dr marshall has had an attack of heart failure i may have said something like that i don't recall the words clearly now don't remember speaking them at all but the thought occurred to me had you any reason to anticipate a death of that sort for dr marshall no sir he had been suffering from indigestion an acute attack of that sort sometimes produce a mechanical effect on the heart which causes death after mature reflection do you still believe that that was the actual cause of death in this instance mature reflection has nothing to do with the case said the witness with a touch of asperity it's a question of fact and can only be determined by examination i was not present at the autopsy i did not even make a careful examination of the body of the deceased i did nothing beyond ascertaining that he was dead then i sent at once for a physician whose interest in the case was wholly professional do you think it possible asked the coroner unruffled by this outburst that the cause of death might have been suffocation produced say by a hand held tightly over the mouth and nostrils of the deceased i should be unwilling retorted the witness to state as my professional opinion that that was not the cause for the reason that i am unwilling to state any professional opinion whatever dr armstrong was temporarily excused from the stand at this point to make way for another witness who had just arrived and who was obviously in a hurry to get away again i did not know who he was until his first answers to the coroner's questions showed him to be the owner of the instrument shop on the first floor of the grosvenor yes he knew dr armstrong very well the doctor had come into the shop a little afternoon yesterday and made a little purchase talked a while and gone out again can you fix the time with any degree of accuracy when dr armstrong came into your shop yes sir it was sixteen minutes past twelve you are quite sure of this yes sir i had just looked at my watch and decided that it was time for me to go out to lunch when i saw dr armstrong coming in i sold him what he wanted and we talked for perhaps fifteen minutes you say you had just looked at your watch what assurance have you that your watch was right it runs right said the instrument maker with a certain amount of annoyance in his tone undoubtedly to your satisfaction said the coroner it happens in this case however that the matter of time may well prove to be of the most vital importance can you corroborate the evidence offered by your watch in any way i had compared it at noon with the office clock said the instrument maker and is the office clock generally right it has to be right said the witness please explain what you mean it's an electric clock it is connected on the same circuit with all the clocks in the building and they are set every hour by telegraph from the observatory at washington all the clocks in that building are always right could one of them get out of order and stop 
asked the coroner no because they are all on one circuit if one of them went wrong it would stop every clock in the whole building that's all said the coroner but the district attorney wanted to ask a question dr armstrong talked to you in a perfectly natural spontaneous way did he yes sir he did not seem to be laboring under any unusual excitement none at all sir i thought he looked a bit worried when i first caught sight of his face but nothing more than that sir that's all the doctor then resumed the stand you were in your office dr armstrong from say eleven thirty until twelve fifteen if the latter hour is the time when i went out yes sir did you hear anything in dr marshall's office to arouse your suspicion that all was not well there nothing whatever what might you have expected to hear from your position at your desk would an ordinary conversation in the doctor's office be audible no sir but if the voices were raised as if in anger then i think i should have heard them if there had been a life-and-death struggle such as a man of dr marshall's physique would have made against an attempt to suffocate him you would in all human probability have heard something of it i should be inclined to think so yes sir and you heard nothing nothing whatever you are sure the doctor did not ring your bell not after the last time i answered it i think that's all for the present said the coroner unless some member of the jury wishes to ask a question is there anything you wish to inquire about gentlemen there was a little silence after that for my part my mind was centred on that blankly mysterious thirty-five minutes between twenty minutes to twelve when gwendolen carr if her testimony was to be believed had left the doctor alive and well sitting at his desk and twelve fifteen when his assistant had gone out of the adjoining office on his errand to the instrument makers thirty-five minutes of silence i felt again as i had felt the evening before when young jack marshall had inarticulately whispered poison i seemed to read across the blank space of those thirty-five minutes the word treachery written in lurid letters i think the increasing tension of that moment while we waited to see if any of the jury was going to act on the coroner's invitation was felt by everyone in the room i am sure the witness felt it for i could see him turning a little pale and breathing a little quicker but the tension was instantly relaxed when one of the jurors spoke up he was a little ferret-faced man with a piping voice i'd like to know he said what was in the package you brought back from the instrument makers the utter irrelevance and futility of the question asked as it was in that inquisitive piping voice caused a sudden ripple of laughter in the room even the best behaved of us smiled and the coroner himself though he sternly commanded silence was not able to extinguish the twinkle in his eye when he repeated the question but the assistant showed no inclination to laugh nor on the other hand did he resent the question as an impertinence he answered in fact rather gravely 
what i bought was a new hypodermic syringe the one i had been using had a fall and the needle was broken that is a very necessary instrument to a man in my profession so i went down to the instrument makers as soon as i could and bought a new one they summoned other witnesses after that witnesses whose testimony was far more sensational from the point of view of other spectators at the inquest than anything that had gone before pomeroy the professional crook against whom the case had seemed last night so perfect was able to prove a positive alibi and dr marshall's jeweller testified that the supposed ruby which the police had found in pomeroy's pocket was nothing but an imitation the true ruby was undisturbed in the doctor's safe it must have been very dramatic this sudden collapse of the theory of the crime which everybody present except perhaps the coroner the district attorney and myself had unhesitatingly accepted but i sat there through it all wholly unconscious of the rising excitement of the swiftly interchanged looks the buzz of whispered conversation the dawning in every face of some new and much more terrible surmise it was not because this result had been a foregone conclusion to me that i remained thus oblivious to my surroundings it was because the whole of my thinking power was focused on something else upon the small curved gleaming bit of steel which i had first mistaken for a bent pin upon the carpet in dr marshall's inner office the thing i had picked up and then laughed at myself for replacing where i had seen it i knew what it was now it was the broken end of a hollow hypodermic needle end of chapter six